Welcome to episode number one of ADN Live. This is Frank DeSolano, your host. Today is August 17th, and I'm here with our first guest, uh, guest number one, user number one, Dalton Caldwell, the founder of app.net. How are you doing, Dalton? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me, Frank. Um, so I guess today we're uh, excited that you guys broke the $500,000 fundraising cap that you guys wanted to hit. I know it's kind of old news now, but still must be very exciting for you. Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely exciting. And, um, you know, with, with just a few days left, uh, you know, we, we wanted to do everything we could to get right to the last 24 hours, like I said before, but it wasn't clear, you know, if we were gonna be able to break through until right at the very end. Right. Was there some nerves happening like within those last two, two or three days when it wasn't looking like you know, it was slowing down a little bit. Sure. I, you know, this is one of the things I talked about in the, in that Airbnb talk. Um, what I was, I had a slide that said, um, I, I knew in my gut the whole time that it was going to work. And I also knew in my gut the whole time that it wasn't going to work. Okay. And I had both of those ideas in my head at the same time. And, you know, part of anxiety management is to be able to hold conflicting information. Um, without it making you crazy. So, <laughs> so I, have, I had a lot of conflicting information the whole time and we just did our best to, you know, uh, just to, to power through and keep, and keep hustling. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, what was it like the, the biggest relief ever when it happened or were you kind of, once you guys got to like $25,000 left, were you pretty confident that it was going to get there? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that I don't know if relief is the right word because as, uh, as Syracuse said, um, in his, in his tweet about it, um, Hey, way to go Dalton. But now the real work begins. And I think that what it was like to be sitting here in the office with, with me and Brian on Sunday, when we hit the goal was, we just kind of looked at each other and we said, okay, well, (laughs) (laughs) right. We gotta, you know, we got our work cut out for us. And so it felt really good, uh, to hit the goal. And it was, um, you know, it was a, it was a good feeling, but it certainly wasn't this euphoric, oh, we did it. Now we can ride off into the sunset. Um, we, we are very aware that all eyes are on us and it's our job to, um, to, to meet the expectations of all the people, um, that, that are behind us. And I don't take lightly how hard that's going to be. Right. Well, that's a good outlook, I think. Um, and so I, I, I guess, most of the people that are listening, if not all, are already alpha members. But just for the record, to set it straight, for the people who might listen to this later on who don't exactly know what app.net is, could you, Reddit style, explain it like they're five-year-olds? All right, I'll do my best. Um, This was all spawned by some thinking that I've had based on the early days of Twitter. And in the beginning of Twitter, there were no client applications. All they had was a way to SMS with Twitter. Um, like the first time I saw Twitter was, I thought it was an SMS only service. Um, I didn't realize they even had a website. Um, and they also made a web, they, they had twitter.com. But all of the iPhone apps, all of the wacky hacks that people built, pretty much everything that we think of as Twitter now was actually built by third party developers. And as a consequence of Twitter's business model, they have um, basically stated that they don't want people to build, quote unquote, off of Twitter anymore. And so 
my belief is that there's a hole in the market for app developers that want to build um, real-time applications that were that are kind of similar to what was once built on Twitter, and that app.net exists as this social infrastructure um, for for letting um, all sorts of different kinds of software be built. And one of the things you can build with the software is a Twitter-like service and Twitter-like iPhone apps. But the real grand vision here is to is to enable all the kinds of things you could build with something like a, a Facebook API or a Twitter API. It's not just to replicate um, Twitter as it exists today. Got it. Uh, so b- besides the API and what we know as alpha right now, is there anything that you guys are working on that you might be able to shed some light on or something that you just might be imagining if, if you aren't working on it quite yet? Um, so really, we want to think of ourselves as infrastructure. And anything... Um, that's not part of infrastructure, that's not part of the API is somewhat outside of the scope of this business. Uh, we don't want to end up in a case where we, where we end up competing with people on our platform. And to do this, uh, we try to set up the business model where we are being paid to provide the service and to keep, keep the, keep the lights on, so to speak, and, uh, innovate on the platform. But we want all of the actual innovation from a, from a product and user facing perspective to come from, from app devs that don't work here. And so on a forward basis, you're going to just see us work on the API and listen to feedback and add all the stuff we can add as fast as we can, you know, things like uh, annotations. Um, And Alpha is, we built it to just demonstrate the power of the platform. And, you know, we're going to maintain it, um, but we don't want it to get too complex. It's just meant to be a simple proof of concept for people to play around with. Um, I'm really looking forward to the day when... um, the apps built by the ecosystem are so much better that people don't really use alpha anymore. Um, I would consider that an accomplishment and that we were able to meet our internal goals uh, more than anything else. So then what does that mean for alpha's future? So yeah, people have asked me about this a lot. Um, we're going to keep maintaining it. It's not going to disappear. Um, we just, we want to keep it dead simple and at some point in the future, have it be like sample code, um, you know, like the, like, you know, when you download a new SDK, sure. uh, you know, it's like, Oh, here's our sample program that we built. And you could look at the code and see how it was built. And, um, I could definitely imagine at some point in the future, that's what alpha starts to look like. It's just the simple thing that we built, um, that's used more for training purposes than anything else. Um, and the timeline for that really depends on, on how quickly the third party ecosystem builds itself. So I don't know if it'll, you know, I don't really know what the timeline is, but I can say that we will be maintaining it, um, you know, for as long as I can currently imagine. Um, does that, does that answer the question? It does. And I think that clears up a lot of worry for a lot of people because I've seen it in the global feed where people are talking about how, you know, it's ridiculous that we're getting so invested in alpha now, uh, if we're not developers, because that's not who it's for, but it's good to hear that those folks who, believed in the project who weren't developers still sort of have a place in the community. I oh, sure. Always have to hear that. There's always going to be something to log into and, and play around with. And again, my, my, my goal here is that there's so many awesome apps in the app store and in the Google play market and desktop apps and web apps that that's how people consume the site. And that's how people consume the service. And it's not just um, mediated by software that we wrote ourselves. Um, that's, that's really the goal here. 
Right. Well, we have a, actually a great question uh, in the ADN live hashtag from user Fields, who asks, uh, will a source code for alpha be released uh, in an open source format? Um, I'm not willing to say 100% yes yet, but we talked about it internally and we're like, why not? Um, uh, so again, I don't have a timeline, but when you think about it, we're clients of our own platform. So there's no reason um, for us to try to, you know, there's no strategic advantage of holding the source code for that. I think the only delay would be having to package it up and um, do a few more things before distributing it. But, and there's nothing proprietary about the web app, right? That's not the, that's, <laughs> we're not attempting to monetize the service because of this, because of alpha. Right. Um, so I'm not sure on the timeline, but conceptually we've internally been like, yeah, we should just show people how we, how we were using our own API. I think that would be a good way for people to, to learn how we built it. But clearly, if you look at what, what Q has already built, um, you know, you could build a really compelling web app um, uh, already. And I'm, I'm impressed with what I've seen built thus far. Yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like it, it does pretty, I think pretty much everything that the app.net created alpha client does right plus the live streaming and yeah and it's better in other ways too that's what's awesome is it does live streaming which we don't do um and, and a few other things so in, in some ways it's already better than what we built uh which is again that's the whole point uh, that's where that's that's what we want to see so i'm excited um uh, that that's been developed so quickly right and are you guys accessing the api in the exact same way that third-party developers are um thus far yes i think there's a few infrastructure things that may be different and I don't want to run my mouth uh, because, okay. you know, I could be wrong. Um, right. But, you know, I am pretty, it's pretty easy to use Web Inspector to look at the requests that we're making. Um, so I believe, you know, if you reverse engineer the way Alpha works, uh, it will show that we're, we're, you know, it works the same way that the Q's app works and the way that short message works. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, all right, so... That said, that's all good news. And if I had an applause sound effect button, I'd use it. <laughs> uh, but we can't ignore the elephant in the room as of last night, which is the this news from Twitter about uh, their API revision 1.1. What do you think? I mean, this it's got to be good news for app.net, no? Yeah. I, I, to me, when I saw the blog post they put out six weeks ago and the things they said a year ago, this is just them doing what they said they would do right like to me the news the actual new part of the news is the the exact criteria for how big an app could get you know the 200 percent thing and the quadrants and all that so that's yeah. actual news but from a conceptual perspective um yeah that, you know they're doing what they said they were going to do and it's not really a surprise at all i mean even my first post about what twitter could have been before i even started on this crazy project um I, you know, I said in the post, if Twitter is going to follow their business model, the next logical conclusion will, will be for them to shut down all third-party applications, right? That's just, right. that's the natural conclusion of their business model. And so they're doing what their business model is telling them to do. Um, and I think it's interesting that a lot of people that didn't understand why we were doing app.net at all, um, you know, last night are like, oh, I get it. You know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like oh wait hold on what oh this is why you're yeah guys this is you know a lot of 
third-party Twitter clients and third-party, you know, weird implementations built on top of Twitter, you know, don't matter to most of the world. But to some people, this is this is serious. And if you're a, an, an, an app developer, um, you know, you um, this is this closes off a whole venue for you. And so I like to think that there's a hole in the market that we're trying to fill with app.net. And, you know, it would certainly appear that the market exists. Sure. And do uh, you have any predictions on that front? What Twitter might do post 1.1? You know, I, I don't know. I think, I think that they're going to just keep following the game plan, which again, as I said in my first post is totally reasonable. You know, it's their company, it's their business. They can choose to do what they want to do. But what we're going to see is, um, them controlling the content of the tweets and asserting control of that content, controlling the way the tweets are rendered, uh, control, you know, with the Twitter cards thing. And, you know, they're, they're being pretty upfront about it, um, I suppose, and it's their prerogative to do so. But I anticipate we'll just see more and more uh, homogenization of, uh, of the experiment, of the Twitter user experience. Um, so that's, that's what I would expect to see. Right. That makes sense because it's, in their advertisers' best interest to do that, so why not? Yeah, that's the model. Um, so I think that they'll just do what's right for the business model, and that's and that's totally fair, and they're right to do so, right? I'm not I'm not crying foul that they're doing something like inherently wrong. It's just you know when you make when you make business model des- decisions, all, it colors all of your forward decisions, and and this is stuff that I've been through before in the sites that I run, and I know what it's like to be sitting in the conference room. And making a really hard decision and knowing that it's going to, you know, make people mad and maybe it's not the best thing in the world, but, but you do it because, you know, at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta meet your numbers and you have to meet the expectations of your employees. And so I, I really can't fault them for, for doing what's right for their business. It's just, again, there's an opportunity here. (laughs) And so we're trying to fill the need for the opportunity. Right. Um, So I guess to lighten it up a little bit, we have a question from at man. Saying, sure. Dalton, have have you seen this question already, or should I read it to you? Just know who Ant Man is. No, I have. I I don't have any windows open. Right okay. Now. All right. So his question is, Dalton, you're banished to a remote island. You can only take one bag of coffee. What do you take? I'm. Are, are you a coffee guy? Yes, definitely. Uh, I'm partial to Phil's coffee. Um, it's very popular in San Francisco. Have you ever had Phil's before, Frank? I haven't. No, no. I I usually drink, uh, New York mostly. You know, New York produced coffee, not grown here, obviously, but from local stores around the city. What's the place uh, in Soho that's like a surf shop, coffee shop? Do you know what I'm talking about? I found it on Foursquare. No, I don't actually. That's really good. Uh, I recommend it. That was like San Francisco quality coffee. It's All like right. it's in this alley um, in Soho. Yeah, it's easy to find on Foursquare if anyone cares. Um, right. We'll see if anybody writes. Writes what it is under the hashtag. I'm sure we have some New Yorkers listening that might be able yeah, to shed some light. But yeah, Phil's Coffee, you can order it online, and there's several locations in San Francisco. That stuff is jet fuel, uh, and <laughs> we, drink it, we drink it constantly. <laughs> so in San Francisco, can you order like everything online? Is that how it is out there? Um, there's a lot of delivery services, and now that you have stuff like Exec, uh, which you know, I've never ordered yet. Um, the whole point of exec is you can get people to do pretty much anything. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you could get pretty much anything delivered, uh, as far as I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, obviously we have a lot of delivery here. We're a city that's 
very densely packed, but not so big. So you're able to get pretty much whatever you want delivered, but it's still kind of the old style, a lot of phone call stuff, unless you're <laughs> using Seamless Web. Sure. Uh, I just imagine San Francisco is like the city where you can get absolutely anything delivered because there's just so much technology happening there. You know, all these little companies that maybe get started in San Francisco so they don't, you know, and, and that's that's where they they their home base is. So all of the stuff that they test out happens there and we don't get well, it. Maybe and most of, us, or ever. most of us are in like a four or five block radius. You know, I know that's like a, it's a, it's a joke almost, but yeah, there's this, there's a few blocks in San Francisco that everybody is kind of in and uh, yeah, we're in it too. So it's, it's, it's kind of a joke to walk around the street and uh, <laughs> see all that. But yeah, it's, it's, there's some truth to that particular stereotype. All right. Uh, all right. So one final thing. Um, we have a serious question from Josh Blake, who's been a very insightful contributor over the last yes. couple of days. Uh, he wants to know about revenue sharing with third-party developers. Yep. So the post that I wrote, I still stand by as a draft. And what I'm doing is uh, there's a GitHub issue talking about third-party rev share that a bunch of people have been contributing to. I have been reading that very closely and, and paying attention to it. And so my plan is to release another blog post of a slightly more sophisticated draft, right? Like, cause the first thing I did, I was like, Hey, this is kind of hand wavy. I know this isn't going to answer all the questions, but what do people think of the idea mm -hmm. based on the feedback we got? Uh, we've been talking internally and I think I, it needs another round of proposal, um, pie in the sky iteration before it becomes a thing. But um, we are definitely committed to at least running a pilot um, of, of some sort of rev share. And the way to think about that is that it will be optional for devs. Like if devs don't want to participate in the rev share, that's totally cool with us. So it's not forced. Uh, and if they do want to participate, we're just going to try to come up with a, the fairest, most seamless way that tries to that tries to optimize for the right things. Because the issue when you have incentive-based structures or token economy set up is that sometimes you um, you promote weird behavior or there's like weird side effects, right, uh, of whenever you set up systems. And so we're, we're really racking our brains to try to find a way for the rev share to promote apps that make people the happiest or they get the most utility from and not just encourage people to try to game the system as heavily as possible. Right. Uh, preventing cheating and, and stuff I mean, like that. Issue with, you know, you name it, like PageRank, uh, the app store charts. I mean, there's, whenever you have a system, um, there's always a lot of gaming and it is admittedly a huge challenge. And so we just need to, we have some ideas about that. And I am, my plan is to distribute a draft of those ideas and, and, and talk with developers and see what they think is a good idea and whatnot. Um, so hopefully that answers the question. But basically, yeah, that's still definitely on the table. Um, that's great to hear. And I actually have one more thing sort of related to that, and that is since you guys see yourselves as infrastructure, when Joe Schmo comes in a year down the line, at, at which point we assume that app.net is not just for the kind of tech literati folks that are the technorati that are that are on the site now what do they perceive themselves as becoming a part of do they 
pay the app developer who wrote the app that they want to buy? Do they pay app.net directly? How's that going to work? It's, it's an excellent question. And this is what a lot of people have been asking me. And it's going to take us, this is one of those things that it's going to, Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, and it'll probably take, I don't know, six months to figure out. Um, you know, the current, my current thinking is that app.net is, when you, when, you go to, when you go to some app or website, you know how there's currently like log in with Twitter and connect with Facebook buttons? Mm-hmm. And users generally know what those mean and perhaps are skeptical of them because they know if you, you know, if you log in with Facebook, it might post a bunch of weird stuff to your, <laughs> to your timeline. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, people, people kind of get what it means when you see those buttons on the web. And what my current thinking is, is that people will see, you know, log in to this app via app.net or something like that and the app is branded in any way it wants to be branded um in a lot of ways uh twitter uses the word twitter and the logo and the name tweet to enforce their copyrights (laughs) so branded things like that are a form of control um whereas if you use generic terminology um folks have a lot more flexibility on what they choose to call their application and how they choose to, to concern the UI. Um, and so, so users will be able to log in um, with app.net and, and consume the services that are there. And, you know, I would expect that their user experience is heavily tied to what the app is, uh, less, less so than just being like, oh, this is just yet another app.net client. Uh, again, it's kind of an inversion where Twitter is trying to completely unify all experiences and unify the way tweets are displayed everywhere. This is almost the exact opposite where we, we think that more app developers will be supported. Like, you know, there's already a lot of people building iPhone apps. I don't want, I don't want it to be a zero sum game where everybody's just competing and there's going to be one or two app, you know, iOS app winners and everyone else doesn't get a huge market share. I'm hoping that there's actually a whole bunch of variability and there's different apps that serve different purposes and or maybe for you know certain smaller target markets, like say you're a journalist and you want apps to do a certain thing, or you're you know um, you're doing academic research. So what I'm hoping to see is that there's a lot of variability in how these apps are positioned to consumers, and that the main unifying thing is that you're logging in with app.net and you're authorizing from there, and your friends go from there, and we're not just replicating you know the features that are in alpha over and over again, right? That won't be nearly as interesting. Right. And I guess the trend that's happening right now is just sort of a symptom of, well, we're used to how Twitter works. So let's first emulate that before we can move past it and make the kind of apps that are, are possible are made sure. possible by app.net. Yeah, that's hello world, right? And as a programmer, I feel the same way. The first thing when you learn a new programming language or when you see a new thing is you you write hello world and then you write, you know, like even with basic, you know, you write something that spams the screen with like, hi, how's it going? You know, go to line 10. And the first thing I can imagine people building is this kind of stuff because it's understandable. But, um, you know, I, I definitely think given that it's only been since last Tuesday that we released the API that we'll see more and more ideas and then ideas that I haven't even, I couldn't even imagine myself uh, be built and i think that's what makes this most most exciting uh to to me and the team right so there's your charge developers go out and make something cool and different and unique and not twitter 
yeah, I mean, people will build those clients and they will be popular, but I don't, again, I don't want this to be a zero sum game and, uh, people to get discouraged that are, they're writing apps right now. Like that would be a shame if we ended up with exactly the same ecosystem that happened with third party apps on Twitter. Um, so that's, you know, that's certainly my goal. Well, that sounds like a good one to me. Uh, and thanks. Thanks again. I think we can wrap up here, at least for, for your portion. We'll probably play some music and stuff. We'll feel out the format of the show as time goes on. But again, thanks so much for, for coming on and talking to us. I'm sure you answered a lot of questions that folks had on their mind. And it's good to have sort of a canonical place for people to hear them. Sure. No, thanks. Thanks so much for doing the show, Frank. And that's, that's what's cool is uh, we've never met before. And you were one of our early alpha testers. And, uh, you know, this is it's like with a third party app wiki page. Uh, I've never edited it. And as far as I know, no one that works here ever edited it. And it was a hundred percent made by the community. Um, and that is like the coolest thing ever. And it's really humbling. And so I appreciate, you know, you wanting to put together the show and wanting to talk to me and taking the time to do so. Um, so that, you know, it's the whole experience has been very humbling for us. So, so thank you. Thank you. And, uh, have a great day and have a great next couple of months because I know it's going to be, <laughs> I'm sure active action packed for you. Yeah, we're we're just gonna we're gonna do our best to keep the site rock solid and and be predictable and and uh, you know meet you know meet the expectations people have set for us. We're gonna do we're gonna do our very best and and keep working our asses off. So you know that's the goal. Cool, that's great to hear. Anyway, thanks again, Dalton. Thanks so much. Uh, hope, hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you later, Frank. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. So that was Dalton Caldwell, the founder of App.net. And the architect of the division uh, that you guys are participating in right now. Uh, if anybody else has any questions or comments or games you want to play, I'll probably stay on the air for like another 20 minutes. Maybe we'll do some music. Uh, but really the goal right now for this episode one is to sort of figure out the format to understand what folks want to hear so that it's not just me talking uh, i should put in a little plug for next week's show on which i i have yet to schedule a guest and i want to schedule one and what i'd like is someone who has a lot of experience or even some experience developing for twitter already uh who can sort of provide that perspective in contrast to developing for app.net so if you know anyone like that or if you are someone like that get in touch with me in alpha at uh, at Frank, or shoot me an email at frank at frank.is. Uh, for now, let's do a tune. A really great band, an English band called uh, Backdoor Slam. Their song, Come Home.